Tech Industry Podcast, and I'm David Andrew Let's dig in. Live streaming is growing fast. How fast, you might ask? According to Stretch Internet, internet audiences are viewing more live content than ever before. 81% viewed more in 2016 than they did in 2015. In this interview, you're going to learn more about live streaming. Let's dive right in. Today, I'm chatting with CEO of Bulldog Digital Media, John Petrocelli. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. So for those who don't know, what is Bulldog Digital Media? We are a live streaming agency and strategy company, also uh, billed as the world's first live streaming agency and, and most experienced. And what that really translates to is we're very focused on you know, taking you know, premium live experiences and bringing them to life uh, on connected devices for all you know stakeholders, brands, artists, promoters, viewers, um, you know, you name it. And um, that's now become a, a kind of an interesting uh, industry. And you know, our core emphasis in that world is on is on music, you know, performances, festivals, concerts, etc. Now, live streaming is something that has been around for quite a while, but the quality with which you can now broadcast and distribute content has changed quite a bit in the last 10, 20 years, right? Uh, it has. That's that's uh, an understatement. You know, I've been doing this, it seems like, forever. And in the last several years, it's uh, the landscape has, you know, completely transformed and now you're able to have a you know near broadcast experience uh, on almost any connected device, which this wasn't you know really the case uh, you know several years ago. That's fantastic, and of course you know there's a proliferation of social media platforms and Facebook Live and things like that that people are now really getting into. So it makes sense that the quality would only be elevated, and people would continue to engage with that type of content. Why is the live streaming market growing at the rate that it is? Uh, it's a great question, and you know we've my team and I have uh, kind of lived through this uh, period of where it was you know early on education and you know a lot of uh, experimentation to now full on uh, growth mode. You know I think the market itself kind of roared to life and transformed when Facebook not only, you know, explored live streaming, then they began to prioritize it. I, you know, I've read that it's Mark Zuckerberg's, one of his passion points at his company. And then, you know, then they publicly started to articulate that people are watching live video on the, on the platform three times longer than, you know, quote unquote, non-live. Hmm. So that very much, uh, you know, changed uh, the market for sure. And I think you're seeing the same strategy evolving at Twitter. They're really, uh, you know, pinning their future on the kind of combination of live video with their with their social platform. And moreover, I, I think the world that we're living in today is really now largely becoming uh, an experience economy. You know, people value experiences far more than, you know, buying a watch or a house or a car. So there's this big interest in attending things like concerts and festivals and, and performances. That's a that's a big factor. But the, uh, what's also driving this is kind of this dual phenomenon of a, a massive amount of connected devices entering the market. I think the you know the prediction is another several billion devices will get connected between now and 2020, 
And to your point, you've got this explosion of social media platforms. So it's interesting now, even though we live in a kind of a connected world, the true irony now is people want to have real-time collaborative kind of participatory discussions. And what's also, you know, adding to all of this is, you know, the quality of uh, video, if you will, on a smartphone is now television, near, near television-like quality. So all of those things have kind of created almost a perfect storm. And that's, you know, what we're seeing unfolding. One thing you said there that I think is key, and I want people to make sure they get this point is that live streaming is driving more engagement than other types of content. So that's something that people should definitely be aware of. The other thing that I loved, and I was going to ask about this anyway, but is that term experience economy. And when I came across that, I was sort of chuckling to myself. I'm sure I didn't come up with it, but I've been saying this about business for a while that it needs to be an experience business. It can't just be a business because especially in a field with a lot of competitors, if you get into it, how do you separate yourself? And I think it's by offering valuable experiences, right? So what is the experience economy? You know, I started to follow a lot of, uh, you know, Michael Rapino's, uh, you know, comments and a lot of things that he would say in to the media. And, I think it's uh, the music promoters of today are the best reflection of that. These are these people are creating these immensely, uh, in, you know, um, informative and exciting, you could say, um, sensory experiences at these festivals. And so it's not just these incredible, you know, lineups of artists that they've curated. It's food, fashion, art, culture, learning, causes. I mean, what you can experience there is it's pretty phenomenal. And that's why we're seeing, you know, a massive, uh, interest by the consumer to attend and experience. You're seeing, you know, ticket inventory sells pretty quickly. The, the big festivals tend to sell up before they announce the full lineup. Uh, several festivals have gone to back to back weekends and, you know, a property like Lollapalooza is now programmed, not only the tentpole show in Chicago, but it's, you know, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, Paris, Berlin, Etc. So I think when we say experience economy, I think that has a lot, um, you know, a lot to do with it. I think you're also seeing artist tours, you know, big artists paired up with each other, going out on tour together. A lot of interesting things can happen there. Um, so I think the world, you know, again, the if you look at the through this through the lens of the quote, you know, the the millennial consumer, that's now I think 77 million people. And, you know, their interest is uh, let's have an experience versus, you know, let's go buy a uh, material possession. So I think it all kind of falls into that realm. But what we've seen is, you know, the music world is um, kind of the the bellwether there. And what's happening with the festivals and the concerts and the performances are are, are kind of the, the driver behind that whole business. In your experience, what sort of transformation can artists or business expect when they take their business from maybe something that's a little more flat and a little less experiential to then incorporating something like live streaming? What's what's sort of the average case study? Well, the, the big, uh, I think the most exciting aspect of live streaming is engagement and executing a, a you know experience uh, i would say best practice which is what we're we're focused on is mm. really transforming the viewer uh into a participant so it's not you know putting up a webcam and filming uh you know a dj or a band or a performance it's making a, a very rich and highly engaging 
you know, digital broadcast. So it's the next best thing to physically being there at the festival, the venue, the club, the arena, the lounge, uh, et cetera. And that's where we see a lot of interest, right? If you can have someone tune in for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 60 minutes, that's a big win for everybody, especially, you know, Madison Ave, who's now really struggling with how do I connect authentically with a consumer, but more importantly, how can I get their attention and, and how can I drive engagement? And what I mean by some of those things is, you know, we've learned along the way as a live streaming provider, uh, you know, how do we do that? So the, you know, the live video player in and of itself has to load on the consumer device in the first, you know, three seconds or we lose, you know, 20% of that audience. In addition, you know, my team pioneered in the multi kind of channel, multi-camera experience. So we want to get away from the traditional, you know, broadcast, you're kind of forced, uh, you know, television programming. In the streaming world, we can deliver a, you know, a multi-camera or multi-channel experience. So you can switch from uh, a stage at a festival or, or a perspective at a concert. So now the viewer is curating their viewing experience. And we're also doing this at a, at a high quality uh, video production. And the other you know, just as, or I would say equally as important is the ability to allow the viewer to have a conversation and collaborate, you know, collaborative participatory dialogue around what they're viewing. And, uh, you know, having uh, done a lot of this and uh, I was, uh, I moved YouTube into this market and, you know, we had tools and we learned that, you know, sometimes the comments and the conversation, or I would say oftentimes are, they're offensive. They're not related to the video. Uh, you know, they're uh, they're taking away. You know, the conversation is just not uh, germane to the the performance or the, or the artist. So we've created or we found tools that would aggregate the conversation, but more importantly, curate it. So now that social stream is related, completely related to the video. So rather than people, you know, pulling away from the conversation, now they're they're more engaged. So then we start to see this is. Now the whole notion of moving that you know the viewer into into the role of a participant, so they're changing camera perspectives, they're having a conversation in the user experience. We can also provide things like a you know a polling widget or a trivia widget or you know a, a photo wall, et cetera. So now the viewer is completely engaged, you know, in this in this live performance, and that's you know that's why we're seeing a, you know a lot of kind of movement into the space. That's great, but it does raise a couple of questions for me. I'll start here. So what do people need to know about live streaming best practices? How can they execute at a high level? Uh, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, some of those uh, those notions and those ideas of, of um, giving the viewer something to do besides just passively watch. So it's, you know, create the opportunity for conversation. It's, you know, uh, again, assuming a, a quality video, you want, you want to have a a live video player that loads instantaneously. Uh, also, you know, awareness. Like you want to let people know that you're um, putting forth this experience or this concert will be, um, you know, live broadcast, and that could be powered onto a, a Facebook Live, a YouTube, or a Twitter experience. You can also there's ways to syndicate the video out onto other platforms. Um, you know, a lot of it is, uh, you know, word of mouth, but it's also, a, you know, a cadence. I, I think the ability to do this on an ongoing kind of programmatic basis uh, is very helpful as well. So now the, the viewers and the fans know that okay, once a month we're going to see this uh, concert series, uh, you know, brought to you by American Express or, you know, put forth by a, 
uh, by a content partner. That's that's also uh, now the audience knows that hmm, I'm going to tune in and I'm going to invite my friends along to the to the subsequent live live stream show that'll happen, you know, further along in the calendar. So this is the other thing that I'm wondering about. And obviously what you offer is a high quality service. And you said it's not just about putting up a webcam and then streaming live, but most musicians probably don't have a sophisticated setup for capturing and streaming video, nor do they have a massive budget to spend on it. So in your opinion, how can the average musician leverage live streaming to build their fan base? Well, the good news is a lot of the costs to do this are, you know, falling, you know, mm. dramatically. And the cost of bandwidth has declined substantially. Um, you know, when we started doing this, it was all had to be satellite based. You had to literally bring a satellite truck and take the feed and, you know, point it up and then pull it down and then encode it. Very costly to do that. Now, fortunately, uh, you know, a lot of venues now have uh, video or streaming bandwidth infrastructure installed. Uh, but if, you know, if an artist is starting out in their career, there are now tools that are, you know, uh, user-friendly uh, tools across uh, a lot of these offerings. Now, anybody can live stream on Facebook. Uh, there's a, a, live st- uh, a live platform called Livestream. They make these very cost-effective uh, live streaming uh, appliances. That company was just acquired by Vimeo, uh, I think, about a month ago. And same for, you know, Twitter Periscope. Literally anybody can can put forth content on the platform and you know if, if you so now i think there's almost no barrier to entry to create a a live video experience and you know the other end of the spectrum obviously is the is a coachella like broadcast where there's you know content that's coming from you know professionally produced content from six stages and it's you know three channels of live video you know eight to ten to nine hours a day uh, but so there's something there for for everyone you know regardless of of cost or or, or lack thereof. That's good to know. And I certainly had an earlier podcast episode interview that was specifically about video switchers and things of that nature. They were selling something that's uh, cost probably people a little bit more, but you're absolutely right. The costs are coming down and the barriers are falling away, which is fantastic. What is the connection between music festivals and live streaming? Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an exciting time, you know, the, the big, um, you know, driving, um, experience obviously is the, is the Coachella experience. And that happens on the the masthead. It's all across YouTube and you you can see it in all its glory in in all of those stages, uh, all those days. So the, the big, uh, experience is that, uh, multi-day, multi-channel, multi-stage experience like a Coachella Similar, uh, you're seeing Red Bull TV as a, as a, I think a very predominant player in the space. They power uh, Lollapalooza and Austin City Limits. Last year, they also had Bonnaroo and then a couple properties um, in Europe, and that's a very rich experience. Recently, uh, I think Red Bull has opened it up and brought it out to other platforms um, as well. But you know, they bring a full-on um, kind of like a ESPN kind of game day approach, you know, with hosts and interviews. In addition to you know a myriad of of live uh, performances, and then you know Yahoo and Toyota also packaged up uh, Firefly, uh, Voodoo, and others uh, this past year. So um, it's a developing market. It's also you could say uh, a little uh, fragmented. There's been other experiences along the way, and um, the uh, you know the the result. I think what's interesting here is that the notion of these are almost. Um, professional sporting like uh, experiences in their broadcast and this has i think become very appealing to to marketers and brands who are saying 
boy, uh, I can't reach these consumers. Uh, the This consumer is, I always say this, they're not watching Law & Order on Thursday night on NBC and they're consuming you know, the State Farm commercial. Um, what they want to do is go to go to shows and go to experiences. And we've seen data. You know, I'm a former um, – I, I previously took a business. I sold it into AEG and I kind of moved um, that market and I have live streamed you know, Coachella, Lollapalooza, Bonnaroo, Rock and Rio, et cetera. Hmm. And there's been interesting data, you know, in this country, I think it's one in five millennials will attend at least one music festival. And the interesting related data point to that is that they'll travel an average of 903 miles to attend. So they can, we conclude though that they want, they'd love to attend more if they can. So the ability of, of by creating more and more live streamed festival inventory. There's there's an audience there that's ready to you know take it in and enjoy it and experience it. So it's um it's an exciting market. It's I think it's moving uh, very quickly. And, and the uh, the I think the appeal here is that you've got um, in some cases you know 80 to 160 bands performing in the course of a you know two three four day weekend. They're there. They're performing. They're ready to go. And and to take this, um, you know, video uh, workflow and streaming workflow infrastructure and you know flip a switch and turn it on. You're you know, it's the next best thing to actually attending uh, and being there. And, and we you know we spend a lot of time in that market. We work with thirty to forty music festivals and kind of guide their live streaming strategy and kind of create the dialogue, you know, with the the, the platforms as well as uh, the brands and the media agencies and say hey. Um, you know, you're not, you know, you're spending traditional dollars to reach consumers who they're not, you know, watching your, uh, your key TV commercials or your, you know, your billboards. This is the most effective way, you know, to reach and engage them. That makes a lot of sense. I'd like to switch gears now and ask some personal and business related questions. Sure. So what are some of the biggest struggles you've encountered as an entrepreneur? Hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the biggest struggle for me was, um, in this business was immersing myself and fully understanding how Madison app works and how brands operate, especially through their, you know, labyrinth of agencies. And, you know, the big brands of the world have media digital. Now they have social agencies, they have experiential agencies and it's a constantly uh, changing world. You know, some of these agencies are owned by the same parent companies, yet they have, you know, they compete somewhat. And there's also, uh, it's a it's a constantly moving market for them. And they're in, the, I think, the throes of, uh, I would say, massive disruption. You know, they've built their entire industries on, you know, traditional, you know, television and print and other forms of out-of-home advertising. And, you know, the world is rapidly changing for them. And now they're trying to connect with a, a pretty big group of society who's grown up as, you know, they're as digital, right? They're, they're, you know, today's, you know, millennial has known nothing but uh, some sort of connection and, and ability to access information and experience content whenever they want. So knowing and kind of going into that world, uh, was a little bit of baptism by fire, uh, but it all kind of it all kind of came uh, it all kind of migrated in the right uh, direction, especially in the last um, you know two years, i.e. The, the whole Facebook Live uh, prioritization, and then Twitter and YouTube and even Amazon kind of going down that road. So I think my I would say my biggest frustration was I probably started my business 
maybe a year or two early. Uh, but I think the upside is it's better to be a year or two early than a year or two late. And, you know, now we're kind of you know, reaping uh, the benefits of it. And uh, to counteract that, you know, we had to do a lot of handholding, a lot of evangelism, you know, white papers, uh, you know, panels. I spoke on a panel uh, yesterday. And that helped position us as, I think, um, you know, a, a thought leader in the space and someone that, uh, the, the content brand, artist, music, promoter community could turn to uh, knowing that the world is kind of moving into this universe. So uh, that's been, I would say, a challenge, but it's also in some ways uh, helped us build our character. It's been a little bit of a, of a blessing in disguise in the long run. That's interesting. The point that I related to was just starting too early in a sense. I feel like the music entrepreneur HQ wasn't necessarily an idea that resonated early on. And man, it might've been four or five years too early. Either that, or I just really didn't know what I was doing when I built the website. But <laughs> no, so you, so you, yeah, you've kind of gone down the, almost the same path. And, uh, you, you know, I, I, music has become a real, uh, hot business, I think yeah. uh, right now, especially with, um, you know, the, uh, Apple and uh, Spotify, Pandora, title market now really starting to return revenues back to the record labels. You've got artists now making terrific money uh, touring. So I think there's a lot of a you know a little bit of a renaissance going on. And you know I I like to think that digital has a lot to do with that. And and you know the I think there's a lot of great entrepreneurs in the music business as well uh, you know, who are you know taking risks and and rolling the dice. And uh, it's a it's a fun ride. Yeah, an exciting industry, but not the easiest to succeed in, I think. You said it. <laughs> That's dead on. And on the flip side, what are some of the biggest victories you've experienced as an entrepreneur? Uh, I think early on, uh, getting into um, you know winning business at a, a company like Coca-Cola and having a very successful partnership with them and mm. you know live streaming a major music festival and helping them uh, achieve their goals – um, yeah, has been has been really uh, I think a big feather in in our caps. Um, you know, partnering with a wide group of of music festivals. You know, getting to work with the promoters, having helping them understand you know, how this business is changing digitally. I think they're they've got a pretty good handle on on their universe, which is you know it's challenging for them. They have to book bands, sell tickets, and manage on site sponsorship. So we've been able to um, almost fill a uh, a niche with them and say, hey, we'll take care of everything on the digital side. We'll shape the conversation. We'll do the execution. So that's been that's been real helpful. And um, you know, moreover, uh, I think it's also been um, going down that road and talking to the brands for so long it is now returning you know pretty big dividends. And in this year alone. We've worked with Nestle, Snickers, Coca-Cola, AT&T, Nissan, Sony, Hilton. Um, Facebook is a client of ours. So that's um, it's proven that uh, the time we invested early on is now starting to, you know, um, reap some some good benefits for us. So I, I think it's, you know, the most rewarding thing is probably uh, addressing the biggest challenge, which was, you know, you know, getting on a plane and going into uh, going to New York and sitting with a mass, a big, big agency who's managing all of MasterCard's money or American Express or Coca-Cola, and having uh, you know, uh, winning their trust and hel- helping educate them, and then going on and, and getting you know, doing deals together, uh, I think that's been the the biggest uh, biggest success. Hmm. There's an interesting parallel there with my business as well because early on, wasn't really sure what my product or service. 
should be. And it's just recently that I began to see some things gain some traction. And I went, now I know what my focuses are in terms of generating revenue. So it's such an interesting journey. Yeah, sometimes it just comes to you. I think you um, you start a business, you have a couple directions it can go. You know, people always use the word pivot, and you may find a uh, an experience or a customer or an opportunity that can you know transform and uh, and, and change your business. And uh, if you can react to that, and you know, fortunately, entre- as entrepreneurs, you can. I think it's a lot harder for uh, a big, massive, heavily entrenched you know company to have flexibility and change, you know, with the market. I think you're kind of seeing that today. A lot of the print companies are, and you know, they're in dire straits now knowing that, um, you know, people aren't buying, um, a lot of print, uh, like they were, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, so there's an upside too as an entrepreneur and you kind of reading, uh, you know, reading the, the pulse of the market, you know, where is this headed? How can I, you know, reorient my business to move in the right direction? Right. The ability to be agile and flexible and change the approach as necessary. I love that. Yeah. Are there any books that have inspired and helped you on your journey? And if not, are there any blogs or podcasts that have? Yeah. Um, Mark Cuban uh, wrote a book and it was purely, uh, it was called How to Win at Business. And he only made it available uh, digitally. And, you know, he's a guy who uh, I kind of got into this business largely due to him. I got into streaming when I saw that this guy had created this audio-based live streaming platform for largely, you know, his story is he's from Pittsburgh. He was living in Dallas and he wanted to stream uh, his alma mater, which I think was Indiana State or Indiana. And, you know, he figured out a way to get the radio feed and code it and live stream it. And he built that into a company called AudioNet and then Broadcast.com which he sold to Yahoo for $5.7 billion. And I said, hmm, there's, uh, this guy, there's a business here, and this is purely audio. There's no video at the time. And you know, he's been a pretty outspoken guy. You know, he's not shy, but he wrote a terrific book about uh, you know, hustling, being determined, um, you know, continuing and pushing through. Uh, and I loved his philosophy that you, know, you got to sell. Um, you, you know, people aren't going to come to you and knock on your door and hand you business and you know if you're you can't expect to be an order taker you've got to go out there and uh and make things happen and uh and learn from that and so that was real real helpful i a big follower i really enjoy uh bob Alefset's his his writings i find them to be uh thought-provoking uh very interesting and i've started you know he started a podcast i think uh earlier this month which i think is really informative and then uh, i like recode uh, Peter Kafka's podcast, uh, all things, you know, business and media is, is pretty interesting as well. It's been very helpful. Mm, great. Those are some things for me to check out as well. Yeah. And what tools and apps are you using to run your business? We like to geek out about this on the podcast sometimes. So, you know, one I, I really, really like, and I tell people when they ask me this question all the time, um, you know, when you're moving around and, you know, you're an entrepreneur uh, a lot of your business is conference calls and you, and I live in LA, so it's a car, you know, uh, philosophy, you know, you live in your car and I used to find myself, you know, stumbling and trying to find the conference call in number and then the pen code. Oh, yeah. And then if I'm the moderator, I have my own, you know, passcode as well. I'm like, mm, this is super difficult. And I found an app called mobile day and it syncs with your calendar and it literally takes the, the number, the dial-in number, the passcode, and the PIN, and you hit one button and you dial right into the call. So that's been a uh, 
uh, a lifesaver. It's been a terrific uh, app for me as a as a business operator, and it's also you know returned a lot of time uh, to my day. And you know, I don't want to be thinking about what's the number I have to dial into. So that's been really really good. And I have to say too that um, you know LinkedIn, I think, has added video in the last four months. And that's been really, really helpful. Um, I've also um, used it as a, as a way to, you know, publish, you know, articles or interesting things I read about live streaming, and it's garnered me, and you know, I think a lot of feedback, a lot of nice, uh, you know, follow, you know, followings, and I see, you know, uh, you know, you can see who's reading, uh, who's viewing your posts, and it's you know, people at Amazon and Live Nation and AEG and uh, Google. So, you know, I'm known, I'm kind of connecting to the right audience. So that's, I'd say very recently, that's been very, very effective. And, you know, our followers have also, uh, you know, shot up pretty high. So those are, um, let's say, Mobile Day, LinkedIn, very, very helpful for the business. And, you know, one of the other things I, I did, too, um, I hired a, a PR agency. And I started to see there was a lot of noise being made about uh, the live streaming market. And a lot of confusion, you know, um, a lot of times in our, in my world, uh, it's production people that are, you know, raising their hand and saying, oh, I, I produce content, so therefore I can live stream, which is, it's a little different, right? You know, watching video on a mobile handset, a smartphone, a tablet, a gaming console, it's a different experience than, you know, filming something. So there's um, a little bit of a fine line there. So I, I started to see a lot of the companies, the tech companies too, that were in, just the pure um, online video world. We're also making a lot of noise about being "quote unquote" experts at live and VOD and live are complete two different beasts all together. And I think the internet was architected on a VOD basis, meaning if you want to watch a you know a music a video, you go to Vivo, a TV show on Hulu, a movie on Netflix, and anything and everything on, you know, Apple and uh, on YouTube. I think what people didn't realize is that live was going to happen the way it did and explode and, you know, serving a, you know, a live show out to, you know, 2.4 million people who are on a thousand different device profiles who are also posting and commenting and tweeting. It's a different, just, you know, entirely different business. And it's sometimes it's not easy. So I, you know, we brought in a, a, a publicity company to do just that and kind of talk about, um, why we're different, why we, you know, why, uh, expertise is important, you know, how, uh, how to help, uh, you know, uh, whether it's live streaming uh, an artist like a Paul McCartney or, you know, uh, uh, an A-list artist like Coldplay, uh, you know, they have a, they're particular about how they want to be represented and how their performance should be represented, uh, you know, in a live stream or on a connected device. And we've figured that out. We've learned, you know, being in the trenches and going out to places like Bonnaroo where there's, not a lot of technical infrastructure of any kind, you know, and creating a, a broadcast. Uh, same as, you know, doing that in a small, you know, venue somewhere. So having, um, uh, a, a, I'd say a, a PR agency, you know, my PR agency is also Bruce Springsteen's and they've, they've been together for, I think, 37 years. So um, they know the muse, the artist perspective very intimately. And that's really, really helped the company, um, you know, get some um, uh, attention across the market. Hmm. I like your selection. I feel like in an ideal world, there wouldn't be conference calls because unfortunately I find they don't add a lot of value a lot of the time, but if you got to do them, you got to do them. And having an app that streams like streamlines that process is certain value. 
LinkedIn is an interesting one. I don't prioritize it myself, but I still still do post my stuff there. And sometimes just because certain articles or podcast episodes will gain a little bit of traction on LinkedIn. So still worth sharing, even if it's not uh, primarily a creative or music based platform. Yeah. And I would add to, you know, um, linking your LinkedIn to your Twitter feed. Um, so any post you put on LinkedIn is appears in Twitter. That's, that's actually been probably the difference that's been real helpful for me. Ah, yes. Using Twitter as a slave. I like that technique. <laughs> it works. Right. Great. It works great for Facebook too. So if you want to get more Facebook followers, that's a good way to, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. And I, th- I think you can't underestimate too the attention that's being given to Instagram as well. So that's been helpful for the business. Yeah. Instagram is huge. Well, this has been a great conversation. Is there anything else I should have asked? You know, I uh, concluded, you know, I did a panel last night and the conversation was, well, uh, what do you see happening next? And, I, you know, I think in, in my world, uh, at some point, the notion of uh, VR and, you know, augmented reality, mixed reality is going to kick in. Uh, I'm, at, I'm always at a loss to explain uh, when. Um, cause I'm really, I'm kind of living in the, in the live stream market today where you don't need a, a special device to watch a, a concert or a performance. So uh, I'm always wondering, you know, I, I guess I'm coming into the new year wondering, uh, is this the year that more of those devices will ship you know, during the holidays or we'll see more adoption? You know, that's, that's one thing. And, but I think overall we're, uh, I'm anticipating from my perspective, a, a, a pretty major year in, uh, the growth of of the live streaming market, and I think music is going to be the the main driver there. And, and what I mean by that is, I'm seeing you know brand uh, companies like uh, Yahoo and uh, Amazon and YouTube. They're writing these big checks for things like an NFL game or an NBA game or or some MLB content, and which is I understand why they're doing that. But I think their attention is going to shift into, you know, live music, given that it's it's probably not going to carry the price tag of the NFL. But I also think it's got much broader appeal. I think NFL game has great popularity, largely in the U.S. and in Canada. But music, I think, is a universal experience. I think, you know, viewers around the world would love to see, uh, you know, Kendrick Lamar's headlining performance at – the Firefly Festival or Outside Lands. And I think they'd also like to see, um, you know, a, an artist like Springsteen performing in uh, at a big festival in, in Europe in the summer. I mean, whether that's Glastonbury or even, you know, the, the festival market in China is now exploding, I think, especially with electronic music. What's it like to see, you know, Dead Mouse playing in, in Beijing? And, you know, this, this is content that's not going to be on broadcast television, but I think the live stream offering is is available to you know can be available to anybody on any connected device so i think there's big movement and growth uh, in this market overall that's great sounds like next year will be a big year for you so wish you all the success in that yeah and same for you thank you well thank you so much for your time and your generosity thanks david i appreciate it Thanks for listening. Make sure to go to musicentrepreneurhq.com for show notes and other goodies. And leave us a review in iTunes to help us spread the word. 